Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Erin Pym, and what I like to do here on the pod is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to talk about sex and sexuality. Today, I'm very excited. This is someone oh, oh, all the way from across the pond. <laughs> Super excited. Please welcome to the mic, everybody, your highness, <laughs> pro and lifestyle dom, Angelique Venom. Hello, Angelique. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here. I've been listening to your pod for a while. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. And I just always think I would love to sit down and chat to you. Oh, hey, we're making, we're living the dream, baby. Living the dream, yeah. Do you, so if you, I'm just curious, um, do you like look at when other doms are guesting specifically like do you seek out kind of certain episodes like kinky people or people you know what's kind of your your format there well to be honest I go for a fairly scattergun approach (laughs) um I yeah I'm interested in listening to all sorts of different people um it's always nice to listen to experiences of other workers um but yeah I think um yeah not necessarily doms but you know sex workers and and other people I've mostly listened to other sex workers but I'm probably going to start venturing into some of your you know what sexy other people <laughs> you know what there I, I think at this point in the podcast most of my guests are sex workers of some sort <laughs> like I, I think that's pretty true <laughs> which is awesome I yeah. guess you know that sounds like my friendship groups as well mostly <laughs> same I know and I think that's why it's just because that's those are the circles that I'm in mostly you know what I mean so those are the people like you said you know those are my friends and those are the people I tend to connect with so so there you have it yeah totally same perhaps um we can start our little conversation off with um for people who don't know you maybe just introducing the folks to who you are and what you do so I am a pro dom in Bristol in the UK um, and as I've grown into that, um, I've become much more of a lifestyle dom. Um, so yeah, just kind of, I've always been a kinky person. Um, but when I first started pro doming in 2015, I think, um, I think I was drew- drawn to it because I was interested in kink, but I hadn't really had much space to explore it outside of there. Um, and then I kept pro dom quite separate to my personal kink explorations Uh, so I did that for about three and a half years and then I took a three-year break Mm -hmm. for various reasons Mm -hmm. Um, and then I came back um, and since then I think in the interim I've kind of explored my own kinky journey a lot more and now it all just feels a lot more connected 
Um, so yeah, I'd say more pro, more lifestyle, all kind of mixed in together, but with, you know, good solid boundaries in there. Yeah, that's interesting because you hear of um, the pros that kind of do both things, right? They're either like kind of fully integrated and their lifestyle doms, their pros doing that all at the same time. And sometimes there are like crossover of what that looks like. And then there are other people that go into this uh, profession that they don't have a lot of experience and they kind of just do it in their professional life without with a bit of a separation like you mentioned. So that is interesting to hear like that you're like, oh, it feels what, what was the word you you said now integrated? it feels more integrated. Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit for me? I guess. So when I first started ProDom, I mean, you know, I kind of worked at the studio and I shadowed lots of people and I sat in on sessions and, you know, kind of did my learning journey that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just as a new person in like such an intense field, um, I kind of, I felt the need to, I think because I didn't know my own personal, like deep boundaries with it, I felt the need to keep quite a big separation between that and my personal life. Um, And yeah, I think that was a good thing at the time because it probably kept me from (laughs) maybe blurring my own boundaries where they shouldn't be blurred. But I think as I've grown older and gotten to know myself better, like, because there isn't really, you know, there isn't boundaries for me. It's not like a straight line. They're not very clear cut. Some of them are softer. Some of them are firmer. Sure. So now I feel like I know myself well enough to be able to kind of integrate those two parts of my life, um, which are very obviously connected because it's all kind of in the field of kink. Um, But yeah, like to be able to kind of integrate parts of the professional and the personal um, in more nuanced ways, because I know where my own personal boundaries are with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely does. I mean, and I mean, demonstrating like professional boundaries and, you know, balancing that, that thing of like, ooh, how much of myself do I bring to this persona or this character, however, however you want to phrase it. And like, um, you know, how much do I let them in? You know, how, how many of my like personal kinks perhaps do I practice professionally as well do I keep some stuff for myself that's like something that's very subjective to each provider and you know practicing professional boundaries that's a skill like any other that you develop over time right so you mentioned the thing of like that was probably a good thing to just keep it totally separate at the beginning because I might have um like made some mistakes perhaps like did you, uh, hindsight, you think that was a good idea? Because it seems like that's that's the perspective. Yeah, I totally think it was. Um, <laughs> and I still, you know, I still, with that awareness at the time, I still certainly made plenty <laughs> of mistakes anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because a new, a baby dom, you know, particularly one that hasn't had much practical experience in kink prior to kind of jumping into that world, like you don't really, you don't know where your own boundaries are with something until you have kind of stretched them, pushed them, felt around them <laughs> and worked out what they are. And then there's the pressure, isn't there, of like, um, which is, it's not hilarious, but it's hilarious to me now that as, you know, kind of understanding who I am as a dominant, that I felt so pressured to provide all of the services so mm. that I could make people happy, um, <laughs> you know, and that I had to do everything um, yeah. that I saw other doms offering. 
the silliest version of that, which actually kind of came round into a positive angle for me, is I have always been a very ticklish person. And so my feet were always a no-go zone. I would kind of half tickle myself putting my own socks on. I hated people touching my wow. feet. Wow. I couldn't have someone paint my nails. It was like wow. literally ooh, full body, like just no. But baby Dom Angelique thought that foot fetish wasn't essential for every single dominant because, yeah. you know, it's very popular. So I kind of forced myself... <laughs> <laughs> to do it yeah. to do it yeah i forced myself to do it and desensitize myself to people touching my feet which and how'd that go I for think, you well at the time it was pretty triggering to be honest and oh, no. i don't rec i really don't recommend it yeah. <laughs> you know in that context however interestingly uh because I desensitise myself to it, I now love having my feet touched. And wow. it's, I wouldn't say I have a fetish for it, but I really enjoy it. Um, and certainly with someone that I'm very like, sexually connected to, it can be a very erotic thing for me. So, you know. Yeah, and again, that's that thing of like soft and hard boundaries, right? Like different boundaries for different clients, different boundaries for different people in our personal life. Um, oh, yeah. So, you Definitely. know, that's a thing that perhaps, you know, with somebody you first met would be an absolutely no but you know maybe a regular that you really have grown a connection with or someone you're dating in your personal life that you feel a romantic connection with then uh then why not you know yeah i mean now i'm happy to stuff my feet in anyone's mouth exactly <laughs> literally we're so desensitized at this point yeah but i just i like it now so it's kind of like you know the hilarious yeah. power play of shoving your foot down someone's throat is i it? love the foot gagging yeah that's great yeah so much fun <laughs> <laughs> that's an amazing um i, lo I love that you gave us a spef specific example of that because that's what i was going to ask like it were you able to share about one of those kind of learning moments you know because but that's a good one like that thing of thinking you do have to offer everything and I think that's kind of common to start that way and then, because it's all a learning curve, like you can only conceptualize, you know, doing a thing if you haven't done it, then it's like, yeah, I think I'd be fine with that. And then you do it and you're like, okay, maybe not. Or you do it a couple times and you're like, oh, yeah, maybe not. So you kind of, that's a way of doing it, right? Start by doing a lot and then edit it down versus, yeah. you know, I'm sure... Uh, there are folks that do the opposite way also of like uh, just offering a small arena of things and maybe slowly expanding or maybe not at all. Maybe they're a specialist. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Would you consider yourself a specialist or a generalist? I'm such a generalist. Same. <laughs> I'm such a generalist. Because <laughs> for me, you know, I, I don't think I have any specific fetishes. Like, okay, aside from medical... But I'll go into that more in a second because I don't think it's specifically a sexual kink, but it's more of a cerebral one. But I, you know, for me, the kind of, you know, I'm talking professionally and personally, like for me, it's the connection, it's the control, it's the power exchange, it's the intimacy and the kind of energy exchange and like the, the kind of getting into someone's mind. Um, that's the thing for me. And really, I consider pretty much most of the activities around it, like amazing tools to explore that with. Yeah, I'm definitely power dynamic based over activity based as well. Like if I get in that headspace um, or, you know, it's maybe like dirty talk is happening surrounding that, like objectification is happening, perhaps 
then I can almost picture myself doing, you know, most activities um, happily if that other stuff is engaged. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And for me, it's like, you know, from a speaking from a like a professional perspective, like in session, like, you know, I like quite a lot of pre-scene negotiation. And, you know, for I think <laughs> you get the the odd submissive who's like, you know, they don't they don't want to give you a shopping list of things they're interested in because it feels too much like you're catering to their needs. And of course you are because you're a service. You're but a service at the same provider. time, like Yeah. But at the same time, like my personal relationship with that is I want you to tell me where your head's at with these different things. I want to know your interests, like what gets you going, because I will then find somewhere where our interests cross. And for me, that's like a really interesting place to explore. So even if I'm not physically attracted to you, <laughs> you know, like if you've got two or three or even one thing that you're interested in that I'm interested in, and we have a little bit of chemistry, then we can have an absolutely fucking great time. And it can be a really intense experience for me as well. And it can be a really, you know, often sexual experience that doesn't always come into the room when I'm topping someone professionally, but it does sometimes. You know, it's like, it's about finding those, you know, for me, it's about finding the commonality and then being able to get into someone's head around that specific activity. Yes. Yeah. I, I um, see couples a lot in, and I'm not sure exactly what it's about, but usually when I do see a couple, there's some sort of educational element or there's some sort of like troubleshooting element where they're like, you know, they want me to do this and I don't really know how, or I don't know how to um, initiate that or like really do that with enthusiasm because it's maybe not in my top 10 and often the thing is doing exactly what you're talking about. It's like, okay, let's have a really in-depth negotiation surrounding this activity. You know what I mean? Because there will be crossover somewhere about the intentionality of this, of how the, it makes them feel and like how nice it would be for you to make them feel that way. And this is just kind of a, a way that you can do that. Like it's a love language. You know what I mean? Like even the, at the most basic kind of idea of like, you know, the person, the person wants to do this thing and makes them happy, makes them feel sexy, powerful, whatever. And you like this person. So you want them to feel happy, sexy, powerful, whatever. So, you know, it just even at the basest kind of idea of that, of like, that makes them happy. So, you know, you like, like to make them happy, right? So like, just trying to do that mental, those, those mental acrobatics first, yeah. that often kind of alerts people that like, oh yeah, I, I would like to make them happy. And, you know, that can yeah, help me totally. do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's kind of about finding the connective tissue because I think, you know, an activity is an activity. And if you don't understand why somebody likes it, then you might not understand why it can be enjoyable. And I'm certainly yeah. not saying do activities you don't like, but if it's, yes. you know, within the realms of comfort and within your boundaries, but it's not something you're particularly interested in at first thought. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, some, you know, if you can understand somebody else's enthusiasm for it, that can quite often change your... Perspective. Like, perspective and, like, you know, desire to engage with that activity. Yeah, 100%. Are you able to talk about, like, what kind of... Um questions maybe you ask during negotiation or how you typically do your negotiation yeah so I mean I get people to send me their kind of interests via email as well mm -hmm. um, and I make it quite clear that that's you know that's just kind of for me to I guess I don't I don't really pre-plan sessions at this point 
Um, but I guess it's just for me to kind of have a quick understanding of some of their touch points. Um, but certainly the, the first session I see someone, um, yeah, I kind of get them to describe their interests, their kinks, and what that means, you know. So if someone says I'm into humiliation, I'm like, well, what is humiliating for you? Because for some people it's being spat on. Yep. <laughs> you know, and some people it's being kind of, you know, told that their penis is small and it's unsatisfying. Or, you know, there are, there are so many different things that someone might find humiliating. For some people it's just being looked at in a certain way or, you know, examined in a certain way. So it's kind of, I like to understand what it is about people's specific... Um, interests that they like you know is it you, I don't necessarily ask them like what how do you want to feel in this session but through discussing each individual activity what is it about that that you enjoy um it's kind of gets a well-rounded picture of yeah who they are and they don't always know that but <laughs> you can usually get something yeah that's one of my favorite questions as well to just they're like oh well I'm into you know I'd like to do foot fetish today and I'm like ooh, okay what do you find interesting about foot fetish you know and that usually kind of draws some information as far as how they want to feel or intentionality or like even what specific part of foot worship, because you can do a foot worship scene like a hundred different ways. It's like, do you like socks? Do you like stockings? Fishnets? Barefoot only? Do you want it in your mouth? Do you want to be cleaning boots? Do you want to be like, there's literally so many things you can do with it. Just like you said, with humiliation, it's like such a broad word could literally mean anything. So like, yeah. what specifically do you find interesting about it? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think it's kind of, you know, when when you're sat with a person that's never seen you before and they might be nervous, you can just ask those questions in very different ways. There's always like a way of asking a question or a different question you can ask to actually, you know, that moment when someone's a bit like, oh, I don't really know. And then you and then you're like, you know, what is it you like about feet? And they're like, OK, here we go. And then they just jump into a spiel and you're like, okay. <laughs> you've asked them a question they know the answer to yeah 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 <laughs> totally. well, how do you navigate like when somebody does give that answer that they don't know you know you're asking them you know what do you find interesting about it whatever and they're like I don't know what what do you do Some, at that point I mean sometimes I'll offer them things like is it the power exchange you know is it a humiliation yeah. thing is it you know a bit praise and you know they might kind of slightly move towards one of those and then I guess I'll kind of interrogate a little bit more gently interrogates probably a bit of a strong word <laughs> gently probe <laughs> but I'm quite good at getting things out of people I'm a trained coach as well so getting mm. people to talk about stuff uh is one of one of my things yeah Mia's like doing a podcast I I have to tell you that that it really does there is crossover in negotiation like I, I'm good at just getting people to talk with me <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a skill again it's a skill like any other right <laughs> it really is for sure yeah. extracting information <laughs> extracting information I think there are several jobs we could do <laughs> I know right <laughs> yeah I'm glad I do the one I do though yeah same yeah. <laughs> so what um what do you do from there usually with your sessions so um you you know they send a form basically just to inform you you know what tools you might be using or what thing you might be wearing that's what I, that's literally all I use the forum for um, I just want to know what I should be wearing that day um, and then most of it happens in person you do negotiations surrounding like some sp a lot more specific things and how do you kind of transition to into a scene from there so I mean I also go into medical stuff and safety stuff and safe words and all of that um, all that jazz but, um, I have my own dungeon and 
so I have a little meet and greet area. So I'm like, cool, you know, if you have any more questions, right, then I'll take them through and I'll, I'll leave them alone to get undressed and put, tell them where to put their clothes. Um, it, you know, and, and the kind of the vibe in my actual play space is quite different to how it is in my meet and greet area. Um, it's very dimly lit and they have aromas and candles and stuff. Um, so I think that immediately makes the switch up. Um, and then I'll tell them, tell me when you're ready. And they're like, ready, ready, your highness. <laughs> and then, because I, where I work, just for slight discretion, I answer the door to my uh, clients in regular clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the meantime, I've whipped off my trackies <laughs> and I'm suddenly in something a lot more sexy and I put my high shoes on. Um, yeah, and then kind of I walk into the space and I like to make a bit of a song and dance about that. Um, yeah, make a bit of an entrance, right? <laughs> make a bit of an entrance. I love a really slow start to a session, even if we're going to do some frantic stuff. Because I think, you know, it's kind of, it sets the tone. I like to walk in quite slowly and just, you know, because they get the sound of my shoes on the floor. And I'm like, eyes down. Yeah. <laughs> so they're kind of on all fours hearing me approach them. Um, and Love then I'll that. just stand in front of them and build some intensity. Just stood there and they might automatically go down to kiss my shoe without asking. And I'm ah. like, did I tell you to do that? No. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I quite like to lead in slowly. I always start with kind of kissing my feet. And I'll quite often, this is one of my favourite things to do, is I just start walking off and they kind of stop. And I'm like, did I tell you to stop? No. And then they're crawling behind me trying to kiss my feet as I'm kind of While you're around. walking. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I might want to go and get a strap-on harness from somewhere yeah. or, you things know, to some do. impact see. implements. <laughs> or, you know, I might just want them to crawl around trying to kiss my feet while I walk at different paces. Fabulous. It, I think it's just quite a nice way to set the, the dynamic of... <laughs> It's very illustrative of sub-dom dynamic, isn't it? Very much so. I love this, like, I'm always so interested how people kind of, you know, uh, make that transition essentially, right, from negotiation to zine of like, okay, how do we establish like this power dynamic just like immediately uh, when we begin? You know what I mean? That's always just so insightful of like, because you want to like, well, I'll speak from my my intention is like I want to disarm them. I want um, I want it to feel different, right, than before because in negotiation there's no power dynamic present. You know, we're essentially peers. That's you know that's the way we can communicate openly about our wants, needs, desires, limits, boundaries, etc. Um, however, when the scene starts, like I want them to feel dif- like something has shifted. Yeah. And I want them to also feel in their body. Um, some people like come in, you know, I, I'm not sure if this happens to you, but like people say usually, oh, I'm, I'm quite nervous. I'm actually feeling quite nervous. And I always tell them I really like that energy, you know, because the flip side, why you're feeling nervous is because you've kind of done something new and exciting, right? So like the flip side of the coin of nervousness is like excitement. It's the same feeling right it's like positive stress and negative stress right but um I always so we talk a bit you know we do the negotiation they usually feel a little less nervous and then when we start the scene I kind of want them to feel nervous again you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) yes I know exactly what you mean 
<laughs> so I like do things that are where they'll be like, uh oh. But so like I do that too, where I like do some corrections right off the bat. Like when I open the door again, you know, I've asked them to kneel in the middle of the rug, but like if they're not kneeling in the particular way that I like, you know, right away I'll be like, uh uh uh. <laughs> and I'll try mm-hmm. to catch them and I'll try to even with, you know, look good little subbies, they want to behave. But so sometimes you have to find things. You have to make up things they're doing wrong. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just to chastise yeah. them a little bit to like take them down a peg right off the top. Well, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's establishing the dynamic really, isn't it? Is it? And yeah. who, who is in charge here? <laughs> yeah. I yeah, do I like that. Yeah. And I do like the thing of like you said, they get undressed by themselves in the room, you know, I do the same thing with them. Because is that or is that not like an absolute um, physical representation of who's in power, and who's not then clothed female naked male, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Not to say all our clients are, are cis men, but most of them probably are. Actually, I won't I won't assume that for you. Is Is that the case? Yes, for the most part. Most part, um, right? I get some fun exceptions here and there, but for the most part, says man, yeah. Yeah. Um, are you able to talk about, like, uh, the different types of sessions you might um, facilitate? Because you said you were a generalist, so I'm sure there's a long list. Maybe talk about some of your favorite types of scenes to facilitate. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I had a really fun um, fisting session yesterday. Lovely. Um, I think I saw your post on Twitter about it. Yeah. It's a little picture. Yep. Um, you know, and I like fisting. I, I really enjoy anal play. Caveat, if someone knows how to clean properly, which there are yep. a percentage of people that do and a percentage that don't. And there's no shame in it. I'm not going to be grossed out if there's something accidental sure. that you cannot predict. But I think knowing that someone has put some effort into prep for that kind of play. Um, but it's probably the deepest I've ever been inside a human. <laughs> <laughs> That's a way to put that. Yeah, that's a way yeah. to say that. Yeah. I went past my elbow. <laughs> wow. And I, bear in mind, I'm being very, very cautious here. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, because anyone who's fisted knows there are kind of various sphincters. <laughs> there's, you know, the first one's the bum hole, and then there's kind of another one. And then, you know, as you go along, essentially the guts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, different, different chambers open up. Um, so I got as far as I think it was possible for anyone to go before it turned a sharp corner that you couldn't navigate safely. So mm-hmm. I was treading very carefully. So how long for, for people that may be like, holy crap, I didn't know that was possible. Like, how long does it take you to get there? Or how much training is involved, like, you know, for months or like, what's the process here to get to that point? Ooh, I don't know how well I can answer this question, because mm. the specific person I was fisting was someone who's very experienced and I hadn't actually seen him before neither of us were expecting me to be able to go that far <laughs> and then there you ended up yeah <laughs> there we ended up yeah exactly um but yeah it it takes time it takes training it's it's one of those things where you know you'll if you've never done any anal play before you might start off with a butt plug and then you might start off with some dildos or some strap-on play and you know you can kind of train for depth or you can train for girth I suppose or both um and so I think it's one of those things that you know you probably are going to be fisted for a while once once you get to there which is probably a feat 
in and of itself. Um, but you're going to be kind of in, in, in the anus for a while before you start venturing forth. Because I think, you know, with a lot of exploration of holes in general, bum holes and, and vaginas, it's actually a lot to do with relaxation. So it's your body trusting, you know, as the recipient, it's your body trusting you to kind of let go of the tension that's there. And yeah, it's that mind person. body connection. Yeah, it's that it's your body being able to say, I've done this before and it didn't end badly so we can relax, you know? Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. kind of trying different toys and stuff. Because um, ultimately our bodies just really respond to fear <laughs> and relaxation. And it's kind of, you know, a lot of the physical responses we have are down to like how how chill is our nervous system about the fact that this is happening. Um, so yeah, I think it probably takes a different amount of time for different people based on, you know, how well their body trusts them <laughs> and how well you trust the person you're playing with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really fun. What was fun about it, if I can ask? I don't find it a sexual turn on, but it's just, there is something incredibly miraculous about having half, more than half your arm inside another human because it Amazing, seems impossible. Really. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, it's the power exchange of wearing an adult man with a glove. <laughs> <laughs> A glove that goes past the elbow. Oh goodness! Yep. <laughs> you know, it it just it's it's something. An opera length glove. If An opera length glove, if you will. <laughs> and I kind of you know when I was in there, I was having just like a very gentle, of course, just feel around. I could feel his ribs, and I was like, this wow. feels medical, <laughs> and I like it. <laughs> Another reason it felt fun. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm actually teaching a vaginal fisting workshop um, on March 17th. I don't know when this is coming out, but um, it's quite funny the, to do. We have a, um, a local sex club and, you know, there's uh, there's the regulars, you know, who have seen it all, done it all, you know. Um, but on the weekends, you know, sometimes the crowd uh, skews a little younger, you know. Uh, yep. We see people come in, like, from the periphery towns of Toronto, you know, come in. <laughs> maybe a lot of new folks or kind of youngish adults, you know. So you always get, like, a variety of reactions when you're doing a fisting presentation. Um. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> Post podcast is sponsored by Come As You Are. Founded as a worker-owned cooperative, Come As You Are has a fundamentally anti-capitalist and feminist approach to sexual pleasure, health, and education. Come As You Are doesn't profit from your pleasure and only stocks products that they truly love and believe in. Come As You Are has been voted best sex shop in Toronto since 1997. Check them out at comeasyouare.com or 254 Augusta Avenue in Toronto's own Kensington Market. We are also sponsored by Club M4 Toronto. Club M4 is the largest sexually charged lifestyle club in the GTA. And now you can go to their website, www.clubm4.com. If anything looks interesting and you want to check it out, head on down to Club M4 at 1989 Dundas Street, Mississauga.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What? Um. What else? What are some of your other kind of faves that you can think of off the top of the dome? Ooh, faves. I mean, to yeah. be honest, like I, I worked as a stripper for a long time. Oh, did you? Age 19. I was a stripper for on and off for like 11, 12 years. Wow. Um, That's a long so time. So I'm. Yeah, it's a long time. Not not full time all the time, but it was kind of my main bread and butter for a long time, which I really loved. Um, so I'm really into the sensual tease side of things. Um, I enjoy that. <laughs> so actually, t- tie and tease is one of my faves because I just, you know, proximity and kind of denial are just so fun to play with. I love how you call it tie and tease. I call it tease and denial or tease and denial, tie you know, and tease. Tie and tease. I, I just like the the tie and tease. Tie and tease. I like that. I might start using that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I think is tease and denial, I suppose, denying orgasm, whereas tie and tease is kind of just being in close proximity to someone and being very sensual, but not necessarily with sexual contact in that. Yeah. So do you bring those like, uh, like those moves, do you bring some moves to the table? So because of your experience? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I worked hard to be that good at moving. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure I, I was always a relatively good mover. But mm-hmm. when you work as a stripper, you learn how to move like a, I don't know, Something, you know, when you see, <laughs> this is a terrible comparison, but you know, when you see like a sea lion swimming through the water, <laughs> they're just very, or a penguin or something, you know, in the water and they're so fluid. Yep. That, that's a really unsexy comparison. I could have, con- could have literally mentioned sexy anything else. Penguin. A yeah, sexy no, I, penguin. Sexy penguin. You know yeah, what I'm talking about, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, to bring that kind of level of fluidity and, I guess, like, it's almost like a somatic understanding of your own body and what it can do and kind of yeah bring bring to life that kind of sexual oozing mm. physical movement oh my. you know oozing. i'm not gonna waste my 11 years <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> and not bring that to like you know my current work and passion absolutely are there like other skills that you can think of that maybe you kind of honed or developed while dancing that, that you brought over I think, I mean, part of it, I think, talking to people. Yeah, um, that's a huge part of that job, right? people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just being confident to, because I mean, you know, when you first start working in a strip club, your job is to approach 
multiple men and proposition them yes <laughs> you know mm -hmm. in an environment and people you know people think it's easy because they're like oh well you you know you're really hot and wearing sexy underwear i'm like yeah but so is every other 30 30 women yeah. who's working that night um yeah so it's kind of it teaches you how to interact and i guess seduce in a way that's um it's it's kind of fun and it's it's quite forward i guess but mm -hmm. I'd say that that experience as a stripper, I, it's t I've taken it into every single part of my life. It's one of the best things I've ever done for self-confidence and just kind of ability to take up space in spaces where yeah. it's not always invited. <laughs> I don't mean in a bad way. I just mean, it, you know, in spaces where it's harder as someone in a femme body to take up space. Certainly. It's kind of given me an ability to like, yeah, I can be here. I can occupy this space. And at that age, um, to do it like essentially as a young adult, you know, um, yeah. I'm sure that set you on like a very confident path. Well, I don't want to assume anything, but um, just from what you said, you know, that that's a lot of good messaging to receive at that age. Yeah, totally. I mean, of course, it comes with its challenges as all sure. <laughs> labor does. But yeah, I was also like I had a child very young. I had my son at 18. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd literally moved from the countryside. <laughs> <laughs> um, to the city of Bristol because I was like fuck raising a child in this backwater um, and then I was like right next become a stripper but do you know what it, part of it was I wanted to do something exciting because I loved being a parent but I also didn't want it to be my life my entire life um, and so doing something that made me have some sense of autonomy and power over my own body um, and also a good way to make some cash and honestly a job that works around a sleeping child yeah yeah oh yeah. wow i love that so um what was the uh what did it look like you moving um from that job to your current one was there like did it go right from one into the other or or did you do other things in your story mm, i'm okay so i was a stripper for years um and i'd always been curious about other forms of sex work um and had wanted to explore but I honestly like I didn't think full service sex work would suit me necessarily so that wasn't my first port of call um but basically I made friends with someone in the strip club who's like oh yeah I used I worked for as a dom for a bit yeah and I was like oh my god basically I just didn't know how to do it I'd googled and tried to look on forums on like how to become a dominatrix um and she actually introduced me to and gave me the location of this um this dungeon in Bristol um and she's like, well, I just called them and they told me to come in and I shadowed people. I was like, wow, it's that simple. Yeah. <laughs> I think I literally the next day I rang them up. I was like, hi, help me, Dom, please. Um, I was just, yeah, over the moon to find out about that. So I continued stripping while I was doming as well um, and training to be a dom. But yeah, and at some point, I can't remember where in the timeline, I did do full service for a while, um, which, as I suspected, didn't particularly suit me. Um, Why, as you suspected? I mean, <laughs> to be totally brutally honest about it. Was it boring? Was it boring? No, no. I mean, no. it was boring. It was boring. But like, a l part of it was like, I, and I, I know that there are plenty of people who are dominants who offer full service. Yeah, yeah. But that wasn't really on my radar then. So part of it was being in the slightly, having to be so nicey-nice to people and give oh them a God. kind of <laughs> submissive girlfriend vibe. But also like, honestly, I'm very specific with how I can be penetrated. Okay. Um, and a lot of the kind of sex that these guys want to have with you just really, really hurt my cervix. <laughs> no, there you go. <laughs> that's yeah. That's it. That's it. Know? Yeah. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, 
and I'm sure there are plenty of full service sex workers out there that don't offer being fucked from behind slightly enthusiastically but that mm-hmm. really doesn't work very well for me mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and also I think I ca- yeah I, I like to try things out so I kind of tried that a bit and I sure had some positive experiences with it but mm-hmm. when I realized I could be a dom instead I was like this is much more me yeah I felt more authentic yeah exactly. yeah, yeah yeah it really yeah, yeah. really was yeah <laughs> it was great though because I was working in the strip club um and I had a really great manager a woman um, mm-hmm. And she, you know, the 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 rules on contact in the UK really vary from council to council. So the local okay. authority gets to decide how much contact you can have, whether you can touch someone's shoulder, or whether you have to stand two meters away. But this was a relatively high contact club, and there were no, they couldn't touch you, you couldn't overtly sexually touch them, but you were allowed to kind of sit on their lap a little and, you know, put your arm around them. Yeah. Uh, but I every now and then would get a client who was clearly submissive <laughs> and she used to turn her blind eye to me like slapping them around and kneeing them in the balls <laughs> in the dance room <laughs> that's what they wanted and she knew that I wasn't gonna you know we knew each other quite well so she knew I wasn't gonna be doing anything that they didn't want so yeah um, that that was fun so I, I, I think the that. path to Dom was fairly like it's fairly obvious it seemed like yeah <laughs> Yeah, even if it wasn't obvious to me the whole time. <laughs> when I look back, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was kneeing, kneeing clients in the balls at the club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that should yeah, have yeah. been a good indicator for me. Good indicator, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Are you able to tell me, because, um, you know, a lot of folks come uh, up to me, like even last night we were at a munch that was hosted by our play space ritual chamber. We had a munch and you know, it happens where someone comes up to me and they're like, Ooh, how did you, how did you become a dominatrix? You know, I, I am interested in doing so. Um, and I tell them my story and mine is pretty, you know, clear cut like yours is like, I literally just contacted I, uh, I, I contacted, yeah, the headmistress and she asked me to come in for an interview and we talked and then I started really soon after that. We had a bit of rapport uh, before that, but um, I'm specifically wondering about like the training elements that you mentioned. You said like you shadowed some scenes and stuff like that. Can you tell me a little bit about more about like the specific specifics of that and, you know, just maybe how long you did that before, before actually becoming a pro yourself? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go first up and say, I don't think I was doing it for long enough. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the dungeon that I was working at um, is owned by a submissive man. And okay. in that, he has a lot of it in <laughs> confidence. <laughs> right. He has a lot, a lot of confidence in people's abilities um, <laughs> that sometimes I would say surpass their actual skills. Yeah, misplaced um, guess, confidence. You know, misplaced confidence. Um, enthusiasm that is kind of turns into misplaced confidence. Hmm. Um, thankfully, there were some very generous doms there that kind of took me under their wing and let me shadow them. Um, and, you know, they let me know, oh, I've got a, I've got a caning session on Wednesday. Do you want to come in and shadow that? Or, you know, I've got a client for this particular activity. Do you want to come and, and do that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they were kind of, the place that I worked has residence um, doms. So there'll be one dom for every day of the week. And then you can be a visiting dom. So you can book in sessions on those days if you're not the resident. But the resident gets priority over, like, which of the playrooms. Right. Um, so a day came up and they were like, why don't you take this day? And I was like, oh. 
mom. <laughs> okay. Okay. So how long after was that from oh. when you had started kind of shadowing and whatnot? I think probably about three months. Okay. Um, and, you know, that's... But in those three months, I feel like the frequency of, you know, the amount of sessions I shadowed... Was not a lot. Was not as many as I would have liked. So mm -hmm. I was a little bit hesitant. But do you know what? I think because I generally am a relatively responsible person, <laughs> I like to think. Um, <laughs> and I've, you know, from quite a young age, I had my head screwed on pretty well. So I think I was quite careful just to kind of monitor my own journey with learning. You know, I'd, if I didn't know how to do something, I wouldn't just be like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> I would try and find somebody to show me something. But I'm sure there are things that I learned to do that someone had told me how to do rather than show me, which is slightly crazy to me now. Yeah, hindsight 2020, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's, it's just really tough, I think, for people to find places to learn. And, you know, I'm not, su I'm not suggesting there should be like a specific training program for dominance. Yes, because no, I, me neither. Yeah. I really don't agree with certification. I mean, I, that's a whole other conversation. Regulation. Yeah. Um, but I think it's quite difficult for people to find ways of learning. Um, and I'm sure there are great courses out there. I know there are doms that offer training courses and online courses and stuff. And I think they definitely have a lot of value. But also, I think just being in a room with someone that can show you things and you can kind of not only learn the safety elements and the you know the practical application of certain skills but also you kind of learn how to hold that space in a way that you know not only creates the ambience of the session but I think the way that you hold space in session also has a lot to say about how safe you can be there as well yeah and like yeah. that whole thing of like okay yeah here's how you do the activity but there's a lot more to this job just than just doing the activity you know what i mean yeah totally. it's like a lot energetically that's happening there's a lot like yeah. underneath all these activities that's happening um totally all, all sorts of stuff just, right yeah yeah i think to some extent you can only learn those parts by doing so mm. i think you know there, there can be the flip side of the coin where you think you need to train for such a long amount of time but then you're not ready to jump in and i think you know if you don't have access to good places to train, I don't, you know, I still think you can do it. I just think you need to be mindful about what activities you're doing. Like start with things you feel confident in and that you know you can do safely. Um, you know, get clear on what your boundaries are in terms of how you interact with people and your expectations for them. And like, don't pressure yourself to offer everything until you are comfortable and confident with those activities. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I think uh, at the munch, there's usually a bit of an educational element. So last night, one of the, uh, there's like a little quiz that was happening and they had to go to say whether the thing was true or false or whatever. And one of the questions was, you should, you should practice your single tail whip technique on a person. <laughs> okay. And they talked about, uh, that's false, obviously. Um, yeah. You should, you know, have honed your technique before you try it on a person. Um, and we talked about all the different inanimate objects that you could practice, practice a single tail whip on. <laughs> it was a yeah. very, very <laughs> funny discussion. Potatoes, cream cakes, <laughs> cushions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's that thing of like, and that's how I started. I'll say this as a caveat as well. Like when I started, I was hired pretty much right away because yeah. I was a kinkster in my personal life for a decade or 
probably even longer, honestly, but um, in a topping and doming context. And, you know, I had a lot of experience in a small amount of activities, right? So when I started, I started offering you know, sessions in just these, this kind of small circle of, uh, things I was very familiar and confident with. Right. And then over time, um, you know, took classes, did the same thing as like shadowing, duoing with people who were much more experienced in the activities than I was and all that kind of stuff before I was able to like add lots and lots of more things to my repertoire basically. But, um, yeah, ideally you're not doing something for the very first time in a session. Ideally. 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 Yeah, for sure. You know, I guess, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it, where everyone has their own path there. Certainly. There aren't necessarily wrong paths, but there are ways of doing things safer. Yeah, just to try and do the risk mitigation, the harm uh, reduction surrounding surrounding this stuff. Um, Surrounding that topic, actually, I'm... I wonder if this might be a topic of conversation for uh, our last little bit um, in the episode. I had, I did consult with someone recently and it was an, uh, it was a half hour long and man, I could have talked about this for two hours. It actually, it actually kind of inspired me to write a class on this topic. And the question was, how do you know when someone is approaching their limit? And what if you have a submissive, you know, who is stubborn and won't safe word when they probably should? Ooh. What is your instinct, your instinctual response to that? Partly it depends how well I know that person. So that's, mm. I mean, there are different factors, different contexts. I am pretty intuitive now when it comes to seeing that someone's close to a limit. Yes. I very rarely experience people using safe words. And I think ultimately I will take them as close to the edge as I deem appropriate in the session. And then I'll, I'll, I'll stop what I'm doing or reduce it. So you use Um, your judgment. I use my judgment. yeah, Which is based in a lot of experience at this point. So much experience. Yeah. And you know, it's down to kind of recognizing body language, and kind of understanding the kind of minutiae of somebody's response and also you know with, with the body language thing as well it's um it's not as obvious because you know i think it can most be of misinterpreted where it can be really misinterpreted so it's like how much has this person changed state yeah. like you know because obviously as someone goes into subspace the kind of ability to communicate or even express what they're feeling can become quite limited and that can be just because they're in a very transcendent space or whatever mm-hmm. but I think there can be very minute signals that somebody is going somewhere a little bit different and you know if I'm getting a lack of response from someone or they seem to be in a quite a I guess a fixed state mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know it's quite hard to explain it but there's like an underlying tension there I hate to use the I mean I'm not judging anyone else use it but I, I don't like to be like use the term I'm an empath right <laughs> I don't know why I think there are lots of cultural connotations and live laugh love caught up in the kind of ideas around what that means right um but I have a very strong ability to pick up on somebody else's emotions that they're experiencing um mm-hmm. whether that's through subtleties in body language or just like perception of tension so you know I'm 
as I'm going harder on activity, I'm really keeping an eye on what's happening in that person's body, in the way they're breathing, in the colour of their skin, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, all of those little things. And I think probably a load of them are very uh, subconscious that I just kind of know are there. Yeah. I had yeah. like a similar response, uh, like, it, like my gut guttural kind of response to this was like, well, you know, ideally, if one of you isn't very experienced in this scenario, then you don't have the experience of kind of sensing when something is wrong, like having that yeah. intuition that you've developed over a lot, a lot of time with a lot of partners, etc. Um, you know, you got to negotiate how far you want to go with the intensity. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you got to be transparent about I'm new at this or I'm, I'm here to explore and I, or I want to my limits to be pushed a bit on this thing. Like those have all got to be talked about beforehand. And then through, you know, if this is a partnership where you're doing repeated scenes together, it's like, well, you could be adding intensity every time, check in after, did that still feel good? Was my read good on this? Could I have pushed you more? Did you want me to do more? Did we, you know, like, did I, when I sensed that you were done, were you done? Like all of that stuff. Um, yeah. Because yeah, the body language can't be misinterpreted for sure. And then, um, to know in the moment also is kind of difficult. It's like, we'll check a couple days after because sometimes, you know, you might get a bit of drop or you might reflect on and be like, you know what? I don't feel like I need to do that much Yeah. <laughs> next <Okay>. time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, absolutely. Whatever it is. Right. But then I got all these, um, I got all these questions were going in my head. I was like, Ooh, so is this question, this question about like, perceiving when someone's going too far is that really sometimes a reflection of our own boundaries surrounding certain activities and we're kind of projecting that this is too far but the other person is perfectly happy to go far and farther and they're you know never have any kind of poor feelings surrounding it at all is that actually us coming up against our own boundaries on the activity and then I was thinking of all the those nuanced kind of things I don't know I, I I'm not sure if I've really thought about my boundaries as a top in that way before yeah no that's really interesting yeah you know, I was like, like my <laughs> if I'm coming up against if I'm coming up against my boundary then that's somewhere that I know I need to stop and maybe it might be something that I might be able to reapproach in the future with that person if they're like you know I could have gone on for longer yep like maybe with that information my boundary might actually shift yes but if I'm approaching what feels like my boundary and I'm not sure if I'm approaching their boundary, then we're stopping. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, what I said to the person, actually, I was like, short answer, I would stop or move on to another activity. Long answer, book me for a consult if you want to have an in-depth conversation about like kink uh, harm mitigation. <laughs> and yeah, then right. they did, and then they did book it. Yeah. I was like, that's fabulous. great. Good. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so good. Um. Am I correct in assuming that this space that you work out of is yours? It is. I mean, it's... it's Tell me about least, it. It's in a... Yeah, it's in a space in Bristol, actually. So <laughs> I returned to ProDom tentatively after a three-year break and overcoming chronic illness, mm. um, which I'd been recovered from probably for about six months when I started back. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was like, yeah, I'm just going to chuck up a Twitter account and open an email and, you know, pop a tweet or here, two here. At the time, I was working from the, the dungeon I trained at a little bit. 
and I hadn't really, and then I, I think I, you know, a few days later, I kind of went to create an Instagram thinking I'll just, you know, I'll start in slowly. Mm -hmm. um, and then I went to verify the Instagram account and looked in my inbox and I had like four book inquiries, which I don't know why it shocked me. <laughs> That's how it did. But it did, yeah. So I kind of I did my first session back, which was fun. Um, and I kind of I knew that I really wanted to approach things differently. I didn't want to be a resident at the establishment. I kind of wanted to feel like I was much more independent. Um, and I knew another pro dom who had actually shadowed me, I think, um, mm. but has since grown into an incredible dom with their um, an amazing like practice. That's Madam M, uh, she's wonderful. But um, she was, yeah, she had her own space, which I had never seen because she acquired that after I'd stopped uh, being a pro dom for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and I asked her if I could work from her space sometimes because I kind of just wanted to diversify and not feel too attached to one establishment. Um, yeah, and she said, yes, you can, but I'm giving it up in October because I am, I've moved to Brighton and I'm opening my own space there. Um, so sorry, it won't be very available to you for long. And I said, or, <laughs> <laughs> um, so within two months of starting back tentatively feeling it out, I had my own dungeon, which was wow. very, very quick. <laughs> yeah. That's not tentative. No, no. <laughs> I had to have a real sit down with myself and, be, and you know, and do some real good thinking about it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, that, um, so I basically, Thankfully, very kink-friendly landlord knows what is happening in there. And it used to belong to another amazing Dom before her, um, Nikki French, who a lot of people will know. Um, yeah, so it's it's been there for like five years. So I basically purchased the equipment off of Madam M and took over the lease. Wow. And yeah, it had probably about 80% of the equipment that I needed to get going. Mm -hmm. That's um, ideal. Yeah. And so I just bought a few bits um, and worked in it as is for a while. And then like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then there was a fire in the building in the studio above me and it was shut for a month. No. <laughs> and thankfully, thankfully, there was no damage because I did pour several thousands of litres of water into the building directly above my unit. And thankfully, there was no damage because at that point I didn't have insurance yet because <laughs> it was really literally I'd hardly oh. used the place. Um, and then I couldn't access it for a month, which was kind of annoying. Uh, oh but, my god i know <laughs> immediate drama yeah but then i got back in there which was really nice um and redecorated it i have to and... say i love the like color story that's happening oh yeah so is good. that from your background it's... as a med fetter this like kind of hospital green almost aesthetic to it no it's you know in person it's not so hospital green i think it shows mm. up like that in the light i just i love teals and greens i find it very calming and I, I really it. just wanted to move away from the black, red and purple aesthetic. It's not yeah. me. I'm not, I'm, I like red on plants and other people, but I'm not a red person. On plants and, and had, other people. <laughs> and I can, I can openly insult the flooring now that I know that neither of the people who had it before me chose it. Uh, but it had a red, red vinyl floor <laughs> and white walls. And somebody had painted it, kind of had these big, because it's like an old historical factory building. So it's got like exposed beams, but and then it's got these big retaining beams and these kind of slightly, um, what's the word? Those pillars that look slightly Grecian. But someone had badly painted them gold in like cheap looking school looking paint, and it was just, oh, 
for me, who is a bit of an interior designer, um, really upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very nice to um, put oh a new floor goodness. in and paint all the walls and, you know, make it look good. Amazing. And do you, so yeah. um, like you were kind of interested in just kind of re renting the space, you know, using the space part time, like, so do people do that uh, renting the space from you or do you have some house doms or like what's the setup with your space and who uh, works out of there so i work out of there and then i have a small small bunch of other doms that work out of there um who i know quite well so the setup is i can't really give the external code to the building to anybody i have a limit on how many people i can let to use the space in that respect so ah, that makes it's, sense. That makes it's sense. a kind of a known trust thing um in terms of like being able to regularly use it and let yourself in um in our small bristol dom community um but i do hire it out to other people for like filming days or sometimes as a visiting mistress but that just means that i go and let them in to the space um yeah and it's really nice we have a great community of sex workers in bristol we have the bristol sex workers collective which is a very little grassroots organization uh, which was nice because i was one of the founding members about seven years ago and then I kind of totally when I stopped sex work I kind of moved out of that and then I came back wow. <laughs> and rejoined the collective and it's oh. thriving yeah oh they, my they, goodness. we do a lot of activism and kind of peer support um we had to like fight Bristol City Council who was trying to shut down all of the strip clubs wow. success um oh yeah wow. so it's really nice um and through that there's like quite a good community of doms um, and other sex workers so there's yeah it's it's quite easy to be connected in Bristol with other workers and support each other and it's really oh. nice being able to offer a space like another space in Bristol that um, people can work out of yeah what's the name of the space it's the house of venom <laughs> yeah I love that <laughs> how perfect oh how perfect yeah it's slightly um, ridiculous but you know, no, it's the perfect amount of ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think we're at the point. Angelique Venom, uh, are you able to tell us all the ways we can find and follow you where, um, you know, w w where people can contact you, perhaps? And um, yeah, shower you with gifts and money? Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> Give some money. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Angelique Venom. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Angelique Venom. Um, I do have an OnlyFans, but I'm actually going to switch over to loyal fans. I've mm -hmm. just started creating lots of online content and I haven't really started putting it out there yet. Um, so you will also be able to find me upon clip stores. Um, currently, my website is at mistress-angelique.co.uk, but I will probably be migrating that to angeliquevenom.com. Okay. Um, so have a look and see which one it is whenever you listen to the episode i guess great uh for me folks i'm the most active on twitter i'm at the lady pim one but if you must follow me on instagram i'm at the lady pim or at the bedpost podcast uh i'm 40 and i just started a tiktok follow me on there see how badly i i do um at the lady pim <laughs> the <laughs> podcast also has a patreon it is the bedpost show we have a youtube channel it is the bedpost show as well um i never like to go an episode without thanking the lovely lady who does all the uh, original music for my podcast her name is stephanie copeland you can follow her at stephcopelandmusic.com and um angelique venom 
Your Highness, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you for an hour. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. Honestly, I listen to your show and I'm like, I want to have chats with this person. Oh, I love it. <laughs> well, I hope it lived up to your expectations. It really has. It's surpassed them. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, well, I hope everyone that's listening it also surpassed your expectations. We will see you next week. You're talking about sex and sexuality on the Bedpost Podcast. Until then, get fucked, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.